Welcome to the SciDef Cybersecurity Podcast. I'm your host, Raymond Evans, and this is my co-host, Michael Fairweather. We're here to provide you with the cybersecurity news that matters to help you in the cyber realm. We are proud members of the Pod Bros Podcast Network. Check them out at podbros.com. Hey, hey, listeners. Welcome to episode 23 of the SciDef Cybersecurity Podcast. This week, it's Michael and myself, and we are joined by Ben Ten. Hey, guys. How's it going? Hey, Ben. Uh, so you make the rounds. I've seen you at the security talks before. What company do you work for again? So I am a senior security consultant with TrustedSec. Uh, how's that working out for you? You enjoying yourself out there at TrustedSec? I do. I, I, I really enjoy getting the opportunity to learn from those guys as well as... Uh, getting put on engagements where I get to go break things and not go to jail. So that's awesome. <laughs> that's, that's, always, that's always a plus. The not going to jail part of the, or breaking things? Yes. <laughs> just, just all of it. Kind of in that package deal there, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so this week we're going to be discussing some cool articles. Starting off, we're going to be discussing companies failing to plan for cyber dangers. Then after that, we're going to discuss hidden backdoors in Dell security software, which gives access to hackers. We're going to follow that with an Android banking malware that blocks victims from calling customer service. And then we're going to follow that up with a uh, Mac and iPhone stage fright style bug. That's interesting. Yeah. Michael's going to kick us off with our first story here. Companies failing to plan for many cyber dangers. That's right. Uh, did you know that only 22% of companies actually have a comprehensive plan in place to deal with major security incidences? Was Sony one of them? Uh, I'm guessing probably not. <laughs> you mean you mean the 22% that are prepared or the 88 that are not? Uh, the prepared. I thought they were prepared. Weren't they prepared? What happened? Absolutely prepared. Absolutely prepared. prepared. Yes. Um, yeah, that's actually a very surprising number. Um, when I started reading this article, I definitely thought it would be much higher considering the the fact that cybersecurity is almost always in the news now with many, many, many companies um, having problems almost daily. This was a survey that was done by KPMG and British Telecom. Um, they said that while only 22% of companies have a comprehensive plan in place, um, 97% did say that they have been the victims of digital attack, and 55% said that they have seen an increase in cyber attacks. The research is showing people just don't have a plan that they can turn to if they are under considerable attack, uh, said BT America's CISO Jason Cook. So this is actually really, really easy to think of as actually being truthful um, because I've, I've spoken to individuals from various industries um, throughout many of my travels and I've talked to them about penetration testing and vulnerability assessments and things like that because SciDef is trying to get into that world. Um, so I, would, I was trying as I travel to get an understanding of the needs of the commercial market. 
And um, every almost every individual who I've talked to about vulnerability assessments and pen testing and about how you know your company may not be safe all get extremely insulted. Um, they, they take it really to heart when you tell them, hey, you need a vulnerability assessment done or you need a pen test done because, you know, there are going to be holes in your network. And Wait, so they're insulted because they think their network is impenetrable? Yeah, yeah, everybody. Everybody thinks it. And they always come up with the same excuse. Well, we put a whole bunch of money into our IT guys. We, we know we're safe because we give our IT guys a whole bunch of money. So these individuals who actually own these companies or people who are high up in the companies, they just assume because they're putting money into their IT section that they have some kind of plan in place. And when I've asked them about their plan, they say, I don't know, our, our IT guys deal with that. Yeah, most of the IT guys ha are just worried about keeping infrastructure up and running. They're more worried about the database and, the, and making sure that the business can run, not so much that they're going to stop a cyber attack. And... When, when you have a focus where you believe that your security is being handled by your IT and infrastructure teams, it just it indicates that you actually don't understand what it means to implement security for your infrastructure. Yeah, people don't understand the difference between cybersecurity IT and infrastructure IT. Exactly. Yeah, so it's amazing that you you know you look at these companies and a lot of them, you know, they they know that there's a lot of attacks going out there. But I've also seen two different schools of thought. One basically being, uh, we're, we're too small and no one knows about us, and, you know, it's not going to be that, you know, no one really wants to attack us because we really don't have anything. And then the other school of thought is, we're so big that implementing security would actually be more costs to the organization than, than dealing with the costs of legal fees during a breach. <laughs> So, so you'll see you'll, you'll, these companies. I've actually had people say, you know, uh, our security posture plan and our incident response plan is we take, uh, you know, one to five percent of our profits every month and we put them in an account so we can deal with the attorney fees and identity theft, uh, identity protection when it happens. And that's their security plan. Wow. That is so terrible. Yeah, they're they're gonna keep thinking that up until they get hit with some kind of true crypt or BitLocker type event. And everything on their on their servers gets encrypted, and then it's like, hey, guess what? You're not making any money now because you've just lost all your information. Exactly. You know, so you've heard of security by obscurity, meaning we don't know anything. I call that one security by divinity. You know, whatever you believe in, you're just believing and hoping that nothing bad happens. That's your security posture. I like that. I'm gonna tweet that. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> so, oh. yeah, it's painful, but. You know, it's it's difficult it's difficult to change an organization uh, mentality when you know you got to remember back before the 80s. I mean, back even before the 90s, organizations a lot of these organizations have been around longer than the you know what we call the internet. And so when you look at those organizations who have been around for so long, you know, it's just worked. You know, it 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 works. There's there's nothing we need to do. And now we're telling them, hey. You have to change everything. You have to put things into your network which potentially could break other things, and you have to spend a bunch of money to do it. You know, it's kind of like saying, you know, you live out in the country in the middle of nowhere. You've never locked your house or doors, but all of a sudden you have a new community moving in down the way, and the potential for uh, you know a bunch of them to come up and steal you is there. 
But you're just saying, well, no one's going to come up here. This is a cabin. I've never locked my doors. Why should I have to do that now? I'm loving these analogies. <laughs> it's true. I mean, you, you, it's absolutely true. Why, why should I do something if it's always worked? Or why right. shouldn't I do something or do something different if what I'm doing has always worked? And the, and the problem is, is that it, it's not working anymore. It might still be working for them right now, but eventually it's not going to. Exactly. And, you know, it's, so it's tough to say, I, I understand where you're coming from. I see that, you know, you've, you've never done your business this way. But the unfortunate reality is, is that the attacks are becoming simpler and simpler. And it doesn't take somebody spending, you know, two months worth of research into your organization to attack it. They're running a single tool against a Shodan list, and they're having access to critical infrastructure stuff. I mean, so this is, this is not you know, CSI cyber by any means. <laughs> you know, this is like, you know, this is like CSI, you know, script kitty, you know. <laughs> it's, it's really bad because it's not, it's not only at the server and infrastructure layer where these problems exist, but it's also in things like the desktops that the users are using. I've spoken <laughs> to individuals who have actually gloated and laughed about the fact that their company is still running desktops with Windows XP on it. They're and proud they, of that? Yeah, yeah. They thought it was just so funny. Ha, ah, we're still using XP. And I said, you, you know you guys are probably owned right now, right? And they're, they just, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's okay because we're changing over in the next year. So it, it's okay that we're running Windows XP because we're going to be fixing it in the future. Of course. And, and of course, when they switch over in a year... They're, you know, it'll be an instant change, and they won't have to keep any of those XPs around for any of that legacy software that they're still running. No, no, not, not at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> those changes are super easy and simple. Oh, yeah. Everything just runs on everything always. Yeah, that'll be fine. It's so good. There, there's, like a, there's like a checkbox on there that says run in compatibility mode, and that fixes all the things. <laughs> <laughs> so, so looking at this article, I, I, I'm really not surprised at the 22%. I'll be honest with you. Um, more oftentimes than not, especially in the engagements that we do, uh, we find that a lot of organizations, uh, even if they have security policies and procedures in place, they haven't fully implemented them throughout the organization. Uh, but we've also found organizations that didn't have any of those security policies and procedures, no incident response, and, and, and if they even just had the basic you know, proper network segmentation and uh, you know, minimum use necessary, it actually had a stronger security posture than a lot of these big organizations that have spent, you know, how many hundreds of thousands of dollars on this entire incident response and risk management team that they've got. Uh, they have all the policies for the checkbox security and to meet, you know, federal regulations, but as far as implementing proper security, it's not there. So, I mean, 22%, I'm, I'm really not surprised, not even a, not even a little bit. Yeah. The sad thing is the, the report... This is actually, uh, it's 100 of the executives at Fortune 500 companies in the U.S., U.K., Singapore, India, and Australia. So major, major industry leaders in major countries all over the world. Mm-hmm. It's... You know, what we need is we need, like, a, we need like a secure 500 list, like, whether it rates your security posture on a list of 1 to 500, although no one would want to post that on there because everyone would be, like, 2,000, 3,000. <laughs> I'd invest in those companies. Seriously, like if yeah. it would be, it would be something cool to see, 
like, hey, you know, we're part of the security top 100 or whatever. But then I would also make you a target for attack too, because I would go to those and be like, oh, you are really? All right, let's go check it out. Let's just see how impenetrable you are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a bit of a double-edged sword there. It would be. It would be for sure. You know, talking about that guy who had the Windows XP. They probably got backdoors all over the place in all of those XP boxes. That they do. Which brings us to our next story, Ben. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Those XP boxes probably have hidden backdoors. So does the uh, Dell security software, which gives access to to hackers. So some security researchers are warning Dell security management software admins to patch their systems after finding six high-risk vulnerabilities. These vulnerabilities would allow attackers full control of the software and all the connected appliances, such as VPN, network appliances, and firewalls, which is a really scary thing. They have access to them. They can do so much damage to the network. One of the highest flaws that were identified um, involves a hidden default account, which had a really easily guessable um, password in Dell's SonicWall global management system. And uh, that's a pretty big piece of software that's used for monitoring and managing enterprise arrays of network security devices, which is is pretty bad. The flaw was detailed in an advisory um, that was posted by researchers at Digital Defense, and we will have the link to that in our show notes for everybody to check out. And Digital Defense is a Texas-based firm that has a commercial stake in the vulnerability scanning business. So that's, I mean, so two things there, you know, a weak password, and the fact that the they didn't do proper testing to make sure that other users couldn't reset the admin password. So if they had a strong password on the hidden account, it would have remediated this. Or if they had had checks and controls in place that those non-administrative users could not reset the admin password, it would have caused this issue to not be, not be there. And the funny thing is, is that I saw this, and I'm like, whoa, that's crazy, but you see this in so many web apps, at least I do when I'm doing web app t- assessments. You know, the basic, you know, hidden, easily guessable default passwords, whatever the case may be, and then not doing tests to make sure that uh, a user can't do it in a function that the admin user can. Just by hiding it from the interface doesn't necessarily mean that I can't do it, you know? And as this was, this was, so to me, I was like, well, this is standard. I mean, this is in a lot of web apps that you see all over the place. Oh yeah, well, this is not just web apps as well. We we talked about this a while back. Uh, Highway was doing this with their routers and modems as well. Yep. So it had the the default, you know, the hidden um, administrative user that was just it was co- hard coded in. The password couldn't be changed, and it was a very simple password. So anybody that got that information had access to all of that stuff. But it's in so, the code. Who's looking at code these days? Come on, it's hidden. <laughs> yeah, nobody looks at code. No, I'll Who just leave my, I'll leave my key underneath the the doormat that says "Look here for key." But no one <laughs> only nerds only nerds look at code. <laughs> Wait, the fake rock? <laughs> the fake rock. That's right. The one the the white one amongst all of the brown ones. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, now to clarify, though, the piece, the software that is affected by this is versions 8.1 and uh, 8.0 of the GMS software, and a hot fix is available from the the support pages um, for the software. 
But only so, 22% of y'all are going to patch it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah only, only 22% are going to actually patch it. Good callback. The rest aren't even looking at this. They don't even know about it. No. Well, maybe they can call their customer service people to try and get them some help. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> I guess it just basically use it as a learning opportunity. Uh, I did a talk just recently about you know how I'm consistently compromising organizations, and one of the go-to's is just default passwords. You know, and that you can go online and look up any router, printer, MFP, multifunction printer, find the default username credentials, log into it, which it works about 90% of the time. And then a lot of those services, like, you know, the multifunction printers are connected to domain, uh, the Active Directory because they need the uh, LDAP queries. And so I, you know, go in there and change the IP, point it back to my box, and now I've got LDAP credentials. And then I log into the system as that. And so a lot of the attacks that we do would be stopped if they just got rid of all of these, def you know, easily guessable default passwords. Now, I know this one's a hidden one, but using that same idea, it's a good idea to audit your network and see if you have anything out there that's using default credentials because if I get a foothold in one place, it doesn't take much to pivot to the next. Okay. Yeah, that, that lateral access to the network is a, is a very dangerous thing. It's crazy to me how many people don't change their default passwords. Uh, that should be security num item number one. Plug-in router, well, two. Plug-in router, change password. Well, I mean, I, I would say I could speak a little bit in the defense of some of those people. Is a lot of them don't even know that, that they're there. Like, a lot of times they're just, you know, they're under-resourced, under, you know, everything. They're trying to get things spun up, you know, and especially with, if you have a company that uh, acquires other companies. So then you've got all of this stuff that you're putting into your environment, and it's difficult to know everything that you've got. I mean... I don't know if I've ever met a company that says we have asset management control 100% nailed down. I, I've never met, I've never talked to one. So if someone has it nailed down, you know, ping me on Twitter because I want to know what your secret is. But, you know, so you spin up these devices and a lot of times it's, it's more of, you know, let's, let's get it out there, get it done so we can get the business done and then we'll go back and secure it later. And unfortunately that reality is that behavior and that habit that leaves so many things available for bad guys because, you know, a lot of networks are completely unsegmented. Uh, everything's interconnected, uh, you know, and because of the default password, we're now on your system, you know, and then now we're able to do other attacks, and all, we got in all because of an admin admin or a Tomcat Tomcat or Citrix Citrix or whatever the case may be. Cisco Cisco. Yeah, Cisco 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 admin admin blank pa admin password admin. You know, whatever. I mean, if, if, if we've said your password for a default website on there during this podcast, you might want to go change that. <laughs> oh, I, I know we, we've said some default passwords that individuals are using right now. Yeah. So this is a good opportunity. So go ahead and pause the, the podcast here, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk to you in a few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and welcome back from changing your passwords. <laughs> No, you're back with us. <laughs> We're going to move on from talking about Hidden Backdoor and Dell software uh, into a topic that impacts more than just IT people. 
uh, and that topic is malware. Our next two stories that we're going to be covering here are malware-related stories, and the first one we're going to be talking about is Android banking malware that blocks victims' outgoing calls to customer service. So there was a new uh, Android.fakebank variant um, that intercepts calls to banks and customer care services to stop people from calling and canceling their stolen payment cards. I always love talking about malware because every time we talk about some new variant of malware or some new way that attackers are using it, it, it always amazes us because of how crazy they're getting from setting up fake call centers to now just straight up blocking um, a person's call altogether. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you look at it, though, you know, defense in the last two or three years, you've seen a, a, a culture change, right? So defense is no longer, you know, complaining about how hard it is. They, you know, they've, they've strapped on their boots and tightened their belts, and they're like, okay, we're going to take control of this. And you've seen defense begin to change to where they're catching a lot of the low-hanging fruit. Well, because of that, all of the easy attacks don't work anymore, and so now you are finding these you know, new variants, new ways of doing the attacks uh, that you might not have seen before because you know, what used to work you know, a couple years ago is no longer working because it's being detected by a lot of the, the different methodologies that are out there by the 22%. Yeah, yeah and these, <laughs> these attackers are getting more personal with yeah. the individuals, so the things like setting up the call centers and stuff like that, they're, they're getting more interactive with the victims, and that that totally blows me out of the water that these attackers are getting um, that, that personal and that bold. It's crazy, but kind of cool to see at the same time, but still really crazy and dangerous. Yeah. So in March of um, 2016, this new variant of the android.fakebank.b family um, arrived with the call barring functionality. Now, U.S. listeners don't have to worry about this right now because its main victims are customers um, in Russia and South Korea, or at least people who may have a Russian or South Korean bank. So if you have a Russian or South Korean bank and you get hit by this and you live in the U.S., and you have a Russian or South Korean bank. <laughs> what are you well, doing? Hey, hey, you know what? I've got to I've got to keep that money somewhere else just in case, you know. Don't judge me. So there's um, a bit of code in it that has a list of the different financial institutions and their um, customer service call centers numbers, and it will actually wait for the number to be dialed, and then it will check against that list. And if that customer service telephone number is on that list it will block that call from being placed. It's actually pretty it's actually pretty ingenious if you think about it though. I mean oh, absolutely. like it like it's it it sucks completely, but that's actually really smart. Like that that's actually really cool. Like I like that idea. I mean it totally sucks, but I like it. I think it's awesome. So right now um, it appears that it's just blocking the call. But how long before they set up call centers and have the, the telephone route it directly to that call center? Yeah. See, that would actually be actually really cool. And then be like, That's... Oh, oh, yes, we've canceled your card. We'll get a new one in the mail. You know, da 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 da. And then click, and then they, the user think it's cool, and then they, you know, they go on and spend a whole bunch more money. You know, I, I just to clarify too, like this is 
from the same device that it's infected on. So if you were to call from your landline, like that obviously wouldn't stop you from calling the bank. But if you use the phone, if you use your cell phone, you know, to call your bank, that's a problem. And, you know, how many people have landlines these days anyways? Uh, my grandma still has one. Yeah. It's <laughs> still the rotary style? Yeah, you got to like you get about 5 feet of distance that you're allowed to you got a 5 foot radius that you're allowed to walk in. It's it's the cable length. Yeah. It is, yeah, yeah. But but if you want to actually pick up that the phone itself, the receiver portion, then you get like an extra 2 feet from the the landline to the wall, you know? That's cool. Yeah, so it's those, real it's so really those mobile. Are helpful. I will say this. I know we joke about it. Those are actually very helpful in the case of a power outage. Yeah. Because when the power goes out, those phones are still powered by the phone line and not the power lines. Yep. So they're great in emergencies. Yep. Plus, you know, texting on those are a pain. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't quite figured it out yet. It keeps it just keeps coming up and it, it you know, nothing else. <laughs> So, Ben, how long do you think it'll be before we see this hit uh, the U.S.? So I, I think within the year. Oh, easily. But, you know, so the one thing that the article didn't explain is how, is where they found the malware, right? So that's, that's one of the key pieces, right? So if you're installing, you know, APKs from, uh, an APK is the Android install package for all of the software. If you're installing it from an unknown site or whatever, you know, that's, that's where, you know, if you want malware, that's how you get malware, is just going download some rogue APK and then installing it. So I don't know where this one came from, but I think we may see it. It may already be here, but honestly, you know, that's part of the you know, thing is making sure that you're only installing you know, applications from the known source. Uh, we've got a few people around us here who like to play Pokemon Go, and before it hit the States, because I think it was released in Europe first or something like that. And, Australia, and it, yeah, so uh, it was released there first, and then someone's like, oh, I've got it already. I'm like, how'd you get that? They're like, oh, I downloaded it from this site. I'm like, if you want malware, that's how you get malware, you know? So that's, that's I think, that's the key piece there is where are you getting the software from. Yeah, that one actually did have malware on it. We talked about that uh, two weeks ago. That was my first instinct. I'm like, hey, man, if I wanted to get a control of 21 million devices, that's the way to go, man. Done. Yeah, because who's going to actually download the original one after they've already got it on their phone? No. Yeah, of course not. Yeah, you're not yeah. going to go and delete. No. And I do, like, some cool, like, fake hacks in there. You know, like, like make Pikachu appear. <laughs> <laughs> Just start messing with the entire system. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll unlock Pikachu if you let me have your device for, you know, my, my malicious activities. <laughs> A lot of you would be like, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, sure. I don't have anything on there. I don't have passwords or bank account information or emails or anything. Yeah, well, you know, now if you had a Mac or an iPhone, you know, those are completely invulnerable to bugs and viruses. So it's only on the Android devices. Exactly. We, you know, we, the uh, obscured or, you know, security through obscurity That's right. we talked about earlier. Because yeah. Macs never get bugs or viruses at all. They never get bugs or viruses. Uh, you know, as a person who owns Macs and iPhones as well as other PCs, I definitely didn't get a uh, notification this week to update um, immediately because of malware. 
Oh wait, I I have an I have an OSX and um I got an update to update or I got a notification to update. Oh, you did. Was it around the twentieth of July? Just I, I mean, literally a couple days ago. You know, surprising that you said so. I I believe it was. Yeah, they uh actually pretty big. Uh, Macs and iPhones have a stage fright style bug, or or did if you haven't updated yet. I'm I'm completely lost in this convo because I don't have any Mac devices. So, but did you like that segue? I, mean, I did, I did, but I don't know update times and stuff like that, so continue. <laughs> <laughs> so Stage Fright, for y'all, some of y'all that don't know, uh, was one of 2015's most newsworthy BWAINSs, or bugs with an impressive name. Mm-hmm. We, we did have some bugs with impressive names over the, over the past couple of years. Stage yeah. Fright, Heartbleed, Poodle. We even talked about how the fact that the cooler the name, the better traction the story gets. Yes. Although I will say Shellshock, I, I have I have compromised a couple of places with Shellshock. So as as much as I don't like that name, it, you know, that code actually works pretty well. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I've I've seen that out there as well. You're like, hey Shellshock, well there you go. Yay. <laughs> like this is screwed. I'm owning you with a with a header file. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> you gotta love it, right? <laughs> so yeah, with Stage Fright, it's a security hole, or more accurately, a cluster of holes in Android's multimedia software component, the Lib Stage Fright. Um, well, it was found on the iPhones and Macs uh, software recently. Multimedia objects such as images, video, and audio are, are stored in files with complex formats. That means a lot of programming um, has to go into actually reading them, decoding them, decompressing, all of that. Um, and the more complex the program gets, more calculations it's needed to do uh, based on numbers extracted from untrusted files. Um, basically, the more you mess around allocating and deallocating memory, um, more likely it is that some sort of buffer overflow or integer overflow bug will show up. Um, and that's exactly what happened. Overflow vulnerabilities that can be exploited often turn into full-blown RCEs or remote code execution flaws, which means that crooks can not only trick buggy software into running unauthorized program code, but also that they can um, do so using content sent from afar. Which is awesome. Yeah, I love yeah. being able to remotely do stuff. Yeah. Yes, so this was actually a problem on Android back in 2015, yep. and um, my phone and my wife's phone were actually vulnerable to this. Um, there was actually a checker that had been released in the Android App Store which could check your phone for different vulnerabilities. And this is really, really easy on Android to, to fix because all we had to do was go on and disable automatically downloading files, which disabled an image from automatically showing up. So if we did get a random text from somebody, which I actually had gotten a random text from somebody who I didn't know, tried texting back, tried calling them to figure out who it was and no response. So I just deleted them. There was a little box saying for me to download the image, and I was like, nope, just deleted the text message. Yep. But that, but you know, I mean, that kind of goes back to the whole, you know, known sources versus unknown sources type of thing. Oh yeah, I don't answer, I don't answer text messages or calls from anybody that I don't know or recognize. Oh, I answer all the calls. I can't all tell you how much 
how much I love when a telemarketer or somebody scamming me tries to scam me. Oh, fantastic. I answer all the calls. <laughs> I will I will keep them on the line for an hour talking about their scam and getting really, really into it. And uh, at the very end, oh, thank you. You have a good day. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, we, we had a call once and, uh, you know, I was talking about how much debt, and I think I said I had, like, $35,000 in credit card debt. And I said, you know, part of my problem is I just don't want to pay my bill, you know. <laughs> so I'd be happy to consolidate and go with you. But uh, I, I'm still not going to pay my bill. Uh, <laughs> and, then I, and then I said, I will, however, uh, be open to the idea of bartering. Uh, how much debt will you be willing to cover for two goats? <laughs> Uh, they hung up at that point. <laughs> that's that's a that's a good one. I gotta I gotta try the goat <laughs> trade next time. <laughs> oh man, it's just stuff I never think about doing. Like yeah. I just don't want to deal with it. Yeah. So this article talks about things like messaging apps, email clients, and browsers being able to deliver this this stage fright vulnerability due to the different ways that they deliver images and render stuff. But I personally haven't heard of stage fright being used um, with browsers as, a, as an attack platform. Have you guys? Um, I don't know. No. But, I mean, I know there were a lot of these that were, like, in, you know, situational. Like, you had to have things specifically done in the right place and at the right time to work. It wasn't like Shellshock where it just worked. You know, it had to be specific you know, sets up and whatever the case may be. And I'm a lot of the ones that were, you know, released after that, you know, like even if I get a poodle vulnerability, I mean, yeah, it's bad, but that doesn't mean that I'm, you know, I'm like, oh, you're owned because you have poodle on your system. I've never compromised a system with poodle. But that's not to say that somebody else couldn't, you know, and that's not to say that you shouldn't patch it. It's just I've never owned a box with poodle before, so. So, yeah, if any of our listeners know of of a uh, browser exploit, an example of a, um, a browser being used to deliver the stage fright bug, hit us up on Twitter. We'd love to, to hear that. Speaking of that, all of our listeners should be following us on Twitter, too, at SciDef. I don't think we've ever promoted our Twitter on our podcast before, ever. Wait, we have Twitter? Yeah, we do. Oh, man, that's what that thing is. The little bird symbol on my phone? Got it. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the that's the twi- that's the twatters the tweeters tweeters. <laughs> <laughs> I'm up on the social media stuff. Uh, I'm all on the face the the face spiral books and the tweeters. I, so, I tweeters all the time. So what all was uh what all was patched in that update of yours? Uh, so there actually was a couple. Um, there were four different bugs. So four different CVEs that came out, all CV 2016, um, the biggest being the 4631, which is the uh, image I.O. Uh, for Apple, which is the equivalent of Google's lib stage fright. So the way it works for Apple, a little, little bit different, but it's working, it's the handling of the TIFF files. It's a faulty code that affects both OSX and iOS. Um, and a bug's apparently been around for ages because of the way the code has been written. 
Um, so what should users do, Michael? What do you think you should, should do here? Something that we always talk about doing is if there's an update for your stuff, update. Don't turn it off. Don't ignore it. You'll have the little one or two or however many numbers of updates you have sitting there available on either your phone or your computer or whatever. Click update. Always update because those aren't just annoying things that like, oh, man, now my game doesn't work. That might be the case, but it's security and bug fixes, so you should always update. Now, if you're traveling internationally, I would say wait until you get back to the States before you do that because the moment that I hit, like, I, I, I hit some country and then, like, I had, oh, I, oh, we went to Mexico, and the moment that I got to Mexico, I was like, you have 23 updates. I'm like, nope. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> I sure do not. I do. <laughs> I'm going to wait until I get home. Thanks. That's probably a good call. Another <laughs> thing our listeners should do is to turn off the MMS messaging so you don't get those multimedia messages. Disable being able to automatically see those images because that's how you're going to get delivered stage fright on your mobile device. But Grandma was trying to send me a recipe. Right. Oh, that grandma. Using her, using her rotary phone for text messages. Using her rotary phone. <laughs> I don't know how she did it, but she got it through. She got the picture through? It was amazing. <laughs> she typed out the binary with her rotary style. <laughs> Zero. One. Ben, do you have any final, uh, final thoughts on this story? Uh, you know, I think for this one, you know, you know, kind of going back to what was already said, you know, just make sure your devices are updated, uh, those types of things. You know, if you get a if you get a text message from someone that you don't know, I mean, you know, I would I would be cautious before I started opening everything. But you know, I mean, it's it's one of those situations to where you know you need the computer to work, you need the phone to work, you're gonna get calls and stuff from people that you don't know. So, you know, it's just. Keeping your stuff up to date and patched, and uh, that doesn't mean that you're never going to get compromised or that your phone's never going to get breached. But also identifying and knowing, you know, what's normal for your device and what's not. So if your device all of a sudden starts running out of battery really fast or whatever the case may be, it might be a good time to to wipe and reload and just get things back to fresh and normal. Right on. Yeah. All right. Do you know what time it is, Michael? Game it's time, time. Huh. It's time for our, our new se- segment that we added, and uh, Dave Kennedy was our first victim of it. Uh-oh. Oh. It's time for Hacker Story Corner. Ooh. Ben, this is the part of our podcast where our uh, individual who's on here with us tells us a funny or interesting story of a pen test or uh, vulnerability assessment that they've, that they've been part of. All right, well, for those who don't know... You know, they might, I've guessed based on the sound of my voice, but I look and sound super young, even though I'm not. And I'm, I'm a short guy, uh, you know, kind of skinny. And so a lot of people, they just assume that I'm a young kid in my 20s. Uh, so I was doing a physical engagement on this one client and broke in. And, you know, I went to their uh, lunchroom to get some coffee because if they have free coffee, I'm taking some because, you know, it's hard work breaking in. So I'm sitting there getting coffee, and this guy comes over. He's like, hey, you're the new intern. I'm like, yeah, really I am. Uh, I don't really know much about computery stuff, but, you know, I'll learn. He's like, don't worry. You stick around here long enough, and if you learn from people like me, you'll be just fine. And, and then we go and do the postmortem of the engagement, 
and I'm sitting there, and the guy that had talked to me walks in, and apparently it was the CTO. And so the CTO is sitting there talking to the guy who had just broken into his company. Uh, <laughs> that, that is hilarious. Yeah, so it was awkward but awesome at the same time. <laughs> so did he give any, give any, way any uh, trade secrets or access to the computers while you were there? No, 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 because I, 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 I wanted to be... I wanted to make the conversation quick, and I wanted the dude to forget about me before he started asking too many... Because it's when they start asking a bunch of personal questions, that's when I'm like, then I have to really you know, dig into my pretext. But if I could just be left alone, then that's way better, because I'm, then you know, I can take pictures, plant my devices, do whatever I can. So the less interaction I have with people, the better. But I'll stand and talk with you, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. so for sure. That's, that's a good one. All right. So this episode, wrapping things up here, uh, we discussed companies failing to plan for many cyber dangers. You guys got a plan. If you guys don't have a plan in, in mind, a way forward, you are going to fail. There are a lot of dangers out there that you need to prepare yourself for. You can't just dump a whole bunch of money into IT and assume that they have your cybersecurity needs met, your information security needs met. There's IT infrastructure, and then there's information uh, information security in IT. You need to make sure that both of them are covered and that your people are going down the right path for your company. After that, we discussed a hidden backdoor found in the Dell network security software, and from that, we decided got to update. got to get them hot fixes. you got to get them patches. Um, if you do not update, then you're going to be a victim of this. And after that, we discussed Android banking malware, which blocks victims' outcome and calls to customer service, and uh, thought that that was pretty cool. <laughs> Scary, but cool. And... You know, don't download untrusted sources. Right. Download from official sources to prevent yourself from getting this malware that is out there, just like the malware that was on the Pokemon Go apps, or that malware that was released and is controlling, what was it, 92 million devices we discussed last time, Michael? Yes, 92. Yeah. And then finally, we discussed Macs and iPhones having the stage fright style bug. And from that, we we decided that you, again, need to update, um, but also you might want to consider turning off MMS messaging as well. You know, have, you, have your phone request whether or not you want to download a photo because if you become a victim of this, you're not going to realize you're a victim of it until it's too late because you're going to receive a random text message from somebody with a random photo, and that photo is going to be weaponized. All right. Any last thoughts, Michael or Ben? No, guys. Thanks so much for having me on the show. It was a lot of fun. Love talking about those things. And I just want to say, any APK you get from me is perfectly safe. Go ahead and install it. <laughs> right on. So he's going to send it in MMS form. I will send you an APK so you know. in MMS form so you can get it. <laughs> I was your host this week, Raymond Evans, and he was my awesome co-host. Michael Fairweather. And he was our guest today. Ben 10. Stay safe, keep your network safe, and have a week. Have a week.
Cybersecurity training has traditionally been really expensive and therefore too hard to come by for many people. The result of super high price training is a skill gap that has left the industry with over 1 million unfilled jobs, which is crazy. But CyberAware is working to change that. The cybersecurity training revolution has begun. Get free training courses and find jobs in the field at CyberAware.it. Employers looking for cybersecurity talent can also post jobs there. So again, free cybersecurity training and jobs at CyberAware.